So this is 2009 and a girl came over and she goes, I think this is a really good idea and it's really important, but I drink Campos coffee and they're way too cool for this product. And I was like, what? No, you know, this, that's not right. I want to argue with her. And um, she walked away. And then we came back to Melbourne and two days later, Will Young called from Campos Coffee and said, um, I've been looking for a product like this that's made in Australia, that's about reuse. I'm really committed to sustainability and I'd like to buy 5000 Welcome to All Things Coffee. I'm your host, Alex McKendrick, and today we have the Keep Cup founder, Abigail Forsyth. Welcome. Thanks very much, Alex. Nice to be here. It's an absolute pleasure. So... On our podcast, we kind of like to get straight to the beginning of all things and wondering how did Keep Cup begin? And go right back to the start, maybe even like the first thought, like go go to that very beginning for us. So I'll go back to I was a lawyer. Right. And I was in my mid-20s and my brother was working in the UK and he kept coming up with lots of business ideas we could do together. And he came up with pet supermarkets, which turned out to be quite a big industry. Yeah. Uh, various other things. And then finally, he said, I've seen these stores in London called Pret a Manger, and you get pre packaged sandwiches off the shelf. They go really well. And I was like, Well, I like people, I like uh, food, uh, I like how hard could it be? So I gave up my law degree, started these cafes called Blue Bag in Melbourne in the late 90s. Mm. We didn't know much about coffee, but coffee was starting to be a big thing and we realised that was a key part of bringing people into the business. And it was when disposable cups first came into the market. So that, that was like the late 90s and we got some – we were called Blue Bag. We got them um, printed blue. We thought they were very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I remember a lawyer coming into the store going, oh, I feel like a baby drinking out of this thing. Like it doesn't feel very adult to be drinking out of these disposable cups. Wow. But people had seen them in American television programs, mm. thought they were pretty cool, so we all started drinking out of them. And then I did a bit of research and found out that they weren't recyclable because they've got a you know, a plastic lining and um, virgin paperboard makes them and thought, gee, you know, if I multiply the, m- the amount of co- coffee cups we go through, in Melbourne to Australia to the world, like this is a bit of an epic disaster and mm. why isn't someone doing something about it? So, you know, on all the time we, I kept talking to my brother Jamie about it and we we're like, but why hasn't someone done something about this? Like why are, why are they even allowed to sell them in a way? Mm. Uh, so then we um, went down to Maya and got went and looked to bring in some reusable cups just to sell in the store to, to fill them. And... None of them fitted under the group heads of the machine, so they're giant thermoses. Oh yeah, uh, couldn't fit under the group heads. Couldn't weren't didn't have any volume on them, so you could didn't know how to dose them. And we're like, oh, there's a you know. So then we started to go, oh, there's an opportunity here. Mm. But again, we're still like, why hasn't someone done this? So then um, we, Jamie said, oh, let's. In, it was winter of 2007, and so we got some um, decor soup mugs, and we. Gave people 50 cents off if they returned and reused. And mm. 15% of our customers returned and reused. So we're like, there's a group of people out there who think like we do. So mm-hmm. then we got it designed and off we off. It's a very long answer to that question. But no, that was fantastic. And yeah. so, how tell us about, you know, those detailed steps of going from, you know, the, the soup cup yeah. to then into production. Like, there has to be a fair few steps in there. 
There's a fair few steps. So we we realised that if it was going to work, we would need to get industrial designers to do it. Like we couldn't do it ourselves. So we mm. got designers in. A lot of them um, – and then we designed the product. We thought it looked fantastic. We wanted it to like look a bit like a disposable cup so you could sort of do it in without making a big fuss about what you were doing. Like mm-hmm. it would just be a, a subtle behaviour change. Um, and then still we were like, why hasn't someone done something about this? And then I read this book called um, Collapse about societal collapse by this guy called Jared Diamond and it talks about how we – societies that collapse cling on to cultural norms that in the end cause their demise so it talks about like easter island how they chopped down 16 million trees in order to make those giant um, stone sculptures and in Mm. the end they could no longer live on the island because in a few generations there were no trees so they couldn't grow anything so you know and then made me think about our convenience culture and single-use packaging and how that is such a i don't know it's a bit of a bellwether of the demise of Western culture and climate change. And and I, and I the other thing is it made me realise that it was about behaviour change and more mm. than product design, more than coffee, more than anything else, the behaviour change part of it really excited me. And so that's how we sort of committed to do it. Uh, and then when we had the design, which we thought looked awesome, we went around to local manufacturers because we wanted to make it in Australia because mm-hmm. it was a sustainable item. And one guy goes... You're nuts. He goes, that is, he goes, it's just a plastic cup. Like, what are you thinking? And he goes, I've got a million dollars worth of tools over in on the shelf there, mm-hmm. better ideas than yours. And they didn't succeed. So if you can't sell it off the prototype, don't spend your money. And mm-hmm. I was pretty upset. I was like, what? You can't see this beautiful thing. <laughs> um, but it was great advice. And so through the blue bag, we had a catering arm. So then we called up all the, um, co- corporate clients we had and we spoke to the catering person who put us on to the sustainability person who didn't have any money who put us onto the marketing person and so we sort of honed our pitch and then before we even launched the product we sold 5,000 to National Australia Bank when they moved into the, the six-star green building down at the Docklands. Oh, right. So almost paid for the tool before we even – so we were like, oh, we're onto something here. Yeah, Wow. And so you sold it in to those guys. What was the steps to then kind of creating the product yourself to see it now in all the cafes that we see it? So Campos is a huge part of that story. Uh, so we, the first design market we did was in Melbourne and we sold a 1,000 cups in six hours and people were just like, "Wow, I've been thinking about this or this is my idea. You know, it was right on the right moment, like this is my idea or, you know, I don't even know what that is but I want one and like yeah. – and when Jamie and I were talking, we were like, is it is it about sustainability or is it about being like sexy? And then mm. this one guy spent like an hour trying to decide between soft charcoal and warm grey and we knew <laughs> it was about sexy as well, like the colour and everything would bring people in. So then we did another market up in Sydney the, at the Powerhouse Museum. Mm-hmm. So this is 2009 and a girl came over and she goes, I think this is a really good idea and it's really important but I drink Campos coffee and they're way too cool for this product. And I was like what no you know this, that's not right <laughs> what a target with her and um she walked away and then we came back to melbourne and two days later will young called from campos coffee and said um i've been looking for a product like this that's made in australia that's about reuse i'm really committed to sustainability and i'd like to buy five thousand wow i think it was five thousand or ten thousand so it just changed that like change what i mean change what was cool in coffee put us on the map, made us realise that 
um, having the cup accepted by baristas and in cafes was so important to the uptake of, of reuse. I think we sent them, so Campos was sending them to all their suppliers and we, I was so fixated on the sustainability message. We sent the product in four pieces, like we didn't even put it in the box. Now I look back and go, oh, my God, how did, we, how, did, how did we get away with that? Anyway, people had to build the cup themselves, but, mm. yeah, and off we went. Yeah, wow. And what what kind of was one of those, like, struggles or hardships that you had with moving it from, you know, it must have been pretty tricky when you kind of had this idea and then you got this big $10,000 order and you're going, well, this thing's really moving fast. Like, how did you kind of navigate, you know, that? I think just I look back and go, my God, the energy that I had, like you have to be pretty obsessive about the problem and the solution. And, you know, our timing was fortunate. Like not only was the sustainable people being more aware about issues of sustainability, coffee was growing. So mm. a lot of Australians were travelling around the world with coffee. We went to a lot of coffee trade shows. Mm. Um, and it was really exciting. Like it was exciting to be telling a story, to be talking to people. Like most people didn't know single-use products weren't recycled, recyclable, mm. let alone recycled. So, um, yeah, it was just an exciting time thinking we could change the world. Totally. And so did you go straight up to having a warehouse in Fitzroy or how did you actually build the business? Yeah, so we got a warehouse in Fitzroy and we were making and assembling there and then my, I've got two brothers, mm -hmm. one I started the business with, the other one was living in the UK with his partner. Mm -hmm. So he started the UK business oh, right. um, back in 2011 and then we opened in 2013, we opened an office in the US. So mm -hmm. we always made a decision to follow the sales like wherever they were, even if we sort of lost money getting them, you know, across to the States, we would, we, our best sort of defence against copies and competitors was to grow the brand. So we mm. did that. We made that a priority. What did you find the best way to grow the brand? Word of mouth, always. Right. Okay. Always. And was that just by cafe partners saying they love it or people using it? Like, I think it's about the storytelling, like being really clear about your mission and your story so that people are repeating the right story to, you know, like you're in the line at the coffee shop and someone goes, oh, what's that? Where'd you get it? Mm. And, and they tell the story of why they're using it in a way that's compelling, which then brings it forward. I mean, social media is just another sort of word of mouth vehicle in a way. Mm -hmm. And we sort of, yeah, I guess that was 2009. I still remember somewhat a guy in the office going, Abby, have you heard of Twitter? Like it's this new thing. <laughs> or have you heard of LinkedIn? It's this new thing. Yeah. So. Do you find those new platforms helpful for you guys? Uh, yes, enormously so, maybe five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. um, Instagram's more challenging now as a platform. Uh, and TikTok, I think, is the, ne it's the it's the big thing. And we probably haven't really quite nailed how we want to appear on that platform. Mm -hmm. And how do you, yeah, how do you change to, you know, you would have gone from, is it still word of mouth? In terms of like online, right? I guess to some extent, like it's, it's almost a new form of word of mouth really. Mm. Like someone does a dance or <laughs> I don't know, does something with a keep cup and or with the product that they like and it kind of always starts spiraling through and yeah it's a pretty interesting thing that whole social media platforms and how to really make sure you're still getting that almost power of word of mouth but through a 
Yeah, I think you can platform. get you can get massive if you've got the right sort of mix and things happen well for you. You can get a massive burst. But I guess the sustain the sustaining it is is word of mouth is that people enjoy using it, like value the quality of it, understand why you do what you do. Like those things are what sustain you long term. Yeah, and so how do you find you know with starting a business like working with your family was that a great thing or a hard thing or so jamie and i um split in 2015 but we'd worked together for 17 years wow so yeah it was it was great it was tough it was all it was all the things it was all the feels yeah totally. you know you got someone you trust someone you know really well someone you can have a great laugh with you know but also someone who you know when you have an argument you feel like you're seven years old again <laughs> <laughs> i always think that we like working with family or even your partner or anything like that would be quite tricky mm. how did you kind of you know navigate some of those issues did you have to set up clear boundaries or how did that kind of work look i think we always managed to sort of knuckle through it um probably because we we're both you know we said what we had to say and we could you know we could forgive and forget I think if we had our time again, we probably would have put some boundaries because I think the the challenges really happened for us as we, you know, moved from some sing, single in our late 20s is when we started to mm-hmm. then meeting partners, having kids. Like, and it's those transitions that you move through in life that sort of, that, you know, either one of you is readjusting how you come to work is mm. probably where things were got tr- really tricky. And then also like how fast you're going to grow, mm. who's doing what, you know, all those things, yeah. Yeah, it, I feel like it's, you know, be so tricky to adapt with yeah, your life change. Like adding a kid or adding a partner in there, yeah. it does change your mindset on everything. Yeah, and I think you also, I think the other, now that we've been doing our own thing for a long time, you know, when we were in business together, we thought we were so different. Like mm. You're so different to me. <laughs> And now we're like, there's probably like a wafer between us. Like, you know, to a stranger, we're like, the, you know, you know, you, 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 you sort of, you amplify your differences when there's, they're, they're less, they're less of when you're siblings and pres- particularly because we work together for so long. Yeah, totally, totally. And so over the past, how many years has Keep Cup been up around for now? 14. 14 years. Mm. What do you feel like some of the, the best lessons you've learned from starting something like this? What would you, you know, you're someone out there looking to do something similar to yourself, what would some advice be i don't know give it a go (laughs) give it a go give it a go um i think some of the things i learned were um you know always talk to people about what you're planning to do what you're trying to do because some of the best detractors or people who say that it's you know really interrogate when people say that doesn't seem like a good i really you know open yourself up to find out why because you often get the seeds of some new ideas in there Mm. Um, I think really focusing on building the right team around you is critical and that keeps changing. And and um, I read a thing the other day that if you're more interested in the – to be in business, you have to be more interested in the History Channel than the Hallmark Channel. Like you do have to make some pretty tough decisions along the way. Mm. Um, so you have to be prepared for that. Uh, and then I think, you know, one of the things I'm grappling with at the moment is, I don't know, like I've, I hear all this – 
you know, 14 years ago, we thought someone would have done something about this problem. And mm. it would, and, and once everyone knew that disposable cups weren't recyclable and couldn't be recycled, well, they'd be banned. And here we are 14 years later and we're still, it's gotten worse. Like there's more single-use products around. It's just, I guess that's the bit that I'm like, oh, it's all part of the, the game of capitalism and business. <laughs> For sure, it is tricky. Like, what do you what do you see the answer to? Like, is is there a is there a future where it doesn't exist? <clears throat> Jamie and I were laughing the other day. Going, I said, "Have we reached peak stuff yet?" And he's <laughs> like, "What do you mean?" I go, "Well, in every sci-fi movie you see, there's no stuff, is there? Mm. No, everyone's got very little things because." Things that, you know, finite resources. So mm. I don't know. I don't know what the I, – I just – I mean, I guess I feel particularly jaded because in the pandemic you saw how quickly governments could move and how mm. wholesale – they could make wholesale change pretty quickly, mm. you know, and then you see those gun laws in the states. Like there's so many really dumbass problems that just could be solved like that and that it doesn't happen. I'm just like, yeah, the vested interests that, you know, keep those – things afloat like I think BHP said that one of the pillars of their strategy for the next 20 years is convenience so they're going to drive hard convenience culture because it's part of the fossil fuel industry oh wow yeah that's pretty scary yeah it's very scary it is pretty phenomenal convenience culture it is it's a tricky thing to get out of yeah I think that's the hard thing is like we're in such a mindset and I guess a way of technologies kind of promoting convenience our lifestyles are promoting convenience therefore all things in our life do kind of lean itself to going that way which i even personally struggle with like i want to believe in saving the planet and i want to believe in doing the right thing but then my natural laziness kicks in and i make stupid decisions on oh i just i can't be bothered washing that up what a lazy human I am to go, yeah. I can't wash that up. Why can't I wash that up? Or why can't I just bring like a container, a reusable container, like all that kind of stuff. It, it's so simple but so hard. And I guess that's, I guess, leads me on to a question asking is like, what do you see the future for Keep Cup and, and you know, tackling that convenience culture? Yeah, that's it's a it's a huge question that I don't don't really have the answer for, and I think one of the things that I there's there's systems change where the system changes to remove something from our system, or there's individual behaviour change, and Keep Cup really focused on individual behaviour change. So I make a decision; I'm not going to use a single use product, and I carry it. But in a way, it's it's bad because it forces. The, it puts responsibility on the consumer mm. and that shouldn't be the consumer's responsibility. Like if you're a company that makes something that goes in the bin, you should be responsible for that waste. So I don't, in France they've just made uh, cigarette companies be responsible for cleaning up all the butts. Mm. So I think that's that product stewardship is probably one way that you'll start, is probably one of the only ways you're going to start to see that change happening. But it's, I think it's got to, I think it's inevitable. Mm. Because I think, you know, resources are finite. So, and, you know, where everyone's talking up, it, you know, it goes in cycles where, you know, there starts to be a real movement for, for reuse and this system change. And then companies talk about re- like the recycling myth gets peddled out again with mm. compostables. But it's just not a, it, you know, you can only recycle pl- plastic 
two or three times, you're going to only recycle paper four or five times. Like there's a finite limit to how we can recycle those resources. So we do need to find different ways to use and consume things. Mm. Oh, totally. I think that's something that I I really believe in. It's like I think our governments need to be the leaders in it really because mm. as you're saying, like <laughs> they can change things pretty fast if they really believe in it. And it's pretty frustrating, you know, that, you know, they they do do quite radical changes that makes the whole country see things and do things differently. And then we know that global warming is such a real issue. Yeah. And they're now finally admitting that it is true. Yeah, how that became a political thing <laughs> is just crazy, isn't it? They're believing it's true and then they set these, you know, 20, 50, 20, Three thousand goal, you know, year three thousand or something like that distance, and they always seem to get to that timeline, and they're like, "Oh no, we've actually just extended it a bit further. We're sending it a bit further on." Like, I know they had the goals for twenty twenty to do certain things, and yeah, I guess that's the only thing is that it lies, like, a lot of it does lie with the individual though, because if we're not seeing change mm. from the government. It does have to come back to individuals actually making a difference. Yeah, and and, in, and the government's only made up of individuals, so true. yeah, it is about personal responsibility and living by your values and all those. Yeah, and that is what drives change in the end, isn't it? Totally. If you can get enough people, you know, on the movement and on the change, it, it, you hopefully will start seeing that culturally making a bigger impact on everything as well. Yeah. And so for yourself with Keep Cut, what do you see the future, the next kind of few years for you and for your business? I think it's getting reused back on that agenda again and and really pushing for that change that we want to see in the world. Uh, We've got some new products where we're sort of, you know, because the coffee industry is changing. So when Mm. we started 14 years ago, everyone was drinking a flat white. That was a novel drink. Now uh, there's been a movement toward um, milk, no milk coffees more. Mm -hmm. It wasn't said very well. Anyway, black coffee, black coffee, um, <laughs> and uh, and then seventy five percent of drinks in the US are iced. Totally. So it's it's probably meet, trying to meet people where and solve problems for where they're you know where they're choosing a single use product and how can we make and you know part of what Keep Cup was um, we were really careful about was trying to design a product where you really enjoyed drinking from it because that's mm. the reason you come back to do it again. Mm-hmm. Not because you think it's the right thing to do, but you actually enjoy the experience of drinking from, you know, a glass cup with a cork band and that you can take the lid off and all those sort of things. It's not, you know, the the sustainability sort of underpin. it's the logic, but it's the feeling that, that, that keeps you doing it. So it's thinking about how people consume different beverages and how we make that experience great from using the product. Yeah, totally. I really like that idea that, you know, you are still solving a problem and you always go as a business owner have to continue to think about what are those problems that we can solve for people mm. and meet them where they're at and then doing it in a way that makes them feel amazing. Yeah, yeah. Makes them feel fantastic. Yeah, it's always better to go come over here. This is much, look, isn't this fun than come over here and this is a bit of a chore. Yeah, yeah totally. Oh, man, I think it's I think it's really cool and... I guess for us to ask you is like we go, I know there's so many people out there going, man, I just I wish I could do something better for the world. Or I, I want to be involved in different ways and I even want to start businesses in different ways. And do you have any kind of tips for people that 
might be business owners or cafe owners and ways that they can actually do better for the environment. Cafe owners, yeah, they've had a tough, tough years. So I, yeah, I think it's probably looking, looking at your who your customers are, looking at your supply chain, looking at you know, how, and and pro, I guess providing. I think there is an opportunity. Probably pre-pandemic, there was a lot of I don't know. I'm making this up, by the way. You probably you'll know more about it than me, but like this rush culture where you are grabbing your coffee on the go and off off you run. But I think there has been a bit more of a return to well, actually, I could just sit here for five minutes and enjoy my coffee mm. in a beautiful place and then be on my way. So. I think ch- challenging some of those norms around convenience, like do you, is it really nice to drink a coffee while you're walking along the road or is it better to sit, take take five minutes and enjoy it? So thinking about those where we can interrupt people to to sit and dwell and because that's when they're going to, I guess, spend money and, um, you know, oh, and I might have a muffin with that or whatever, you know, like mm. it's, I guess it's thinking about those, how you create those moments of space in people's day. Yeah, totally. It is pretty challenging for that. I, I even think of myself. Again, I'm a very imperfect human. And I <laughs> am. Oh, I'm perfect. <laughs> I do think about that. Like uh, all I need to do is sit down for two minutes and I can stop, you know, wastage going out there. It's mm. two minutes. Drinking a coffee actually isn't a lot of time. Yeah. And we do feel like, oh, if I make... 200 meters closer to work it's gonna make a whole difference to my day and i've even been thinking randomly myself about just mindfulness and i've just got a new little daughter and uh my brain is so foggy at the moment (laughs) and i continually start saying sentences and then i struggle to almost finish them because i'm thinking about what else do i need to do or what else do i need to say or you know help out with with my wife and I've been really conscious about trying to each morning just take like five deep breaths, try to like think about what I'm going to do, write down my day, try to just slow it all down and maybe I just need to add that with a cup of coffee and I don't need to rush around because those little things add so much value. Yeah, they do. And uh, just talking to you makes me go, I think I really need to make this a practice yeah, I, I'm not very good at it, by the way, either. I actually <laughs> just downloaded an app two days ago called um, Stoic okay. to do that exact thing, to go, you know, take a moment, what are you grateful for in your day, mm. how do you get your mind ready and then at night. It's quite mm. – I've only done it for three days, so let's see. But It is. And I think at the end of the day, it's like, like it's convenience culture, but the convenience culture is – very much based on humans being attracted to familiarity and patterns and yeah. just doing stuff that makes them comfortable and they just do it over and over again like and you just get easy with doing that and i think that's the hardest thing with you know sustainability and mindfulness and all those other things that are really great for us as humans they need to become a practice and a a regular thing to kind of start thinking about and that's when you know you're going to start seeing change yeah in society yeah Absolutely, because yeah, if you if you you know you can think about oh yeah single use that's bad, but yeah you're right. It actually starts way up the top of to you how you how you believe you should what is a life and how mm. you live it and all those things. We're, I was talking about that the other. We're, do you watch Succession? No, oh, it's a show about like these super super rich nasty people, and you know they were flying around in private jets. And I was thinking how like when I get stressed or 
you know, I go out to the garden, I cook my family a meal, I, you know, the things that I go for a walk with a friend, like those things are so grounding. And if you're up in that, I don't know, 1%, like mm. you've never cooked a meal in your life or you like, mm. you know, I think that, you know, you can get, it, it is possible to be get untethered from what it is that, I don't know, connects us as human and mm. makes us feel good. Man, I love that. I just feel like I need to change my whole life <laughs> <laughs> and start with that higher thing. And I think I really do believe that that's actually personally, and correct me if I'm wrong, is where sustainability actually begins is mm. actually reevaluating your values and your mindset of what you really believe in and now starting to then filter that through those day-to-day lives to as simple as choosing a coffee cup choosing a sustainable cup option rather than something that's going to add more landfill and yeah. have that effect like yeah and that, it makes me think about like the voice to parliament and indigenous culture and how mm. like if we can make some inroads there what a tremendous thing that is for australian culture like it's the oldest living culture in the world mm. and you, you know you go and see those middens where indigenous people i don't know didn't get rid of all the oysters for 60,000 years and then we came and wipe out the oyster beds in 100 years. Like having that sense of time and looking after the the earth, like if we can embed that more in Australian culture, what that would do for how we live our lives would be so exciting. Mm. And I think that's the thing that I feel like this education system actually is doing quite well Mm. is that they are trying to you know, embed that into our younger generation. I know my, like, nephews are way better yeah. at sustainability, at thinking about the planet, thinking about our culture than, they are, than what I am and what I've been taught. And I think that's what I'm excited about with my daughter is, you know, actually have like having a, a culture where she lives in, where she thinks about the impact of what that's going to have on the world. And maybe that's Keep Cup's next plan is to do education programs with little kids you know maybe. like maybe that's the <laughs> well when like the the probably one of the big drivers to start keep cup was my daughter was 18 months old and she was having milk in a sippy cup mm. and i was like would i give her her milk in a disposable cup and that mm. just seemed like such the wrong thing to teach a child mm. and yet we do it without thinking about it so it's like those it's those disconnects that really point to i don't know how we can do things better to finish up, uh, I would like just to ask you, you know, if you have one bit of advice for any budding entrepreneur or any, you know, future sustainability heroes that we're going to have in our culture in the coming years, what would it be? Well, I think based on our conversation, it would really be starting with that bit at the top, you know, Mm. thinking about what's the problem you're trying to solve and how is that going to improve people's lives? You know, how's it going to make our, how's it going to connect us better to, you know, our finite time on the planet and Mm. the the beauty of the world? Like how's it going to do that? And if you can do that and tell a story around that and and bring people on that journey with you, then you'll be successful Mm. in in business and in life. Totally. I uh, 100% believe in that. Well, Abigail, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Alex. Really appreciate it here. And, you know, you've really challenged me to 
have a real hard look at myself. <laughs> very roaming conversation. <laughs> no, but it is good. I think I think a lot of us are coming out of the pandemic and they're coming out of, you know, out of this life where we were putting conveniences as a high thing because we're stuck inside and we're coming into this new new time and space where you know it's time to really have a a serious look at what we're doing how are we going to make the next part of our our future for ourselves and for our kids a better place and i think it can start as small as as, as small as a keep cup okay. <laughs> thanks abigail Appreciate thanks it. alex Cheers.